to Planet NOLA. I'm your host, Mary Jacobs. Welcome to today's episode. I'm so excited you're here joining us. Today we have my old pal, my good old bud, Bob Morell. Bob is so many things. Um, I want to say first that Bob ran for local city council last year, right? 2021? Mm -hmm. 2021, which was like my biggest reason for having him here. I'm like, we've got to talk about this. He could potentially be running again. He's He gave me a little like tabloid style maybe so a moment ago um and bob's also a father a comedian an actor a computer nerd um i hope that's the proper term that i used for your job title okay 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 yes yes um and we go way back to high school days we did speech and debate and competed against each other at high schools we had a good old time oh yeah I, I won more often. I don't know about all that. I don't know if you, I think you, I think that you might be misremembering Stacey Schlumbrecht and I, annihilating duo. Oh, well, yeah, and duo, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what, that's what was my category. I did duo and comedy. And that was pretty much it. But yeah. impromptu, oh my God. Yeah. Riverdale had an impromptu category. That yeah, was, we did that. Um, was it extemp? Extemporaneous. Uh, student Congress oh. is what, like, I was, like, state champ twice in student See, Congress. I never did student Congress, so that's yeah. that's why we didn't cross over <laughs> as much. Because yeah. I was more the drama and comedy. Like, and then I, I didn't start doing, like, humorous interp, like, all those interp events. Yeah. I didn't do that until senior year. Okay, yeah. See, that's and what then, I did the whole time. Uh, yeah, see, I won city in HI. So that's that nice. Was, I won city in HI one year. Oh, did you? It was obviously not the year that you did. <laughs> but I think you're a year older than me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Bob, what the heck, what and why would anyone run for city council in this city? Not trying to throw arrows, but I just yeah. like need to get in your brain a little bit, you know? So my brain is different than a lot of other brains because the people that run for office may do it for legacy, you know, like their parents or uh, grandparents did it. A lot of them are like, there's a lot of familial relationships and the city politics of which i have none of that yeah 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 <laughs> uh it really wasn't until my daughter was born that i was like oh maybe i should stop being like a a commentator or a, a spectator and like try to channel some of my energy into you know making the changes that are very easy to make but just need the right people to do it um yeah so i started volunteering on campaigns and then I, I kept hearing people asking me for years saying like you should definitely run whenever I start talking about issues and stuff. I'm like, I don't I don't know if I wanna do that. But like I said, once once you know, being a, a, a parent changes you a lot. Yeah. And I didn't think it was gonna change me in that way, but it, it kinda did. Like I'm I'm a very motivated, ambitious person and you know, it was an opening. So Yeah. <laughs> So basically having a kid, you were like, I guess I have to do something to fix this friggin' world. Well, like, I, I, I mean, we, we loved growing up in New Orleans, right? Right. Like, it, it defines a certain part of who you are. Yeah. And I just, like, want my kid to experience this city the way that I did. And maybe not in a nostalgic way, but, like, like I said, the people of New Orleans have just a very uh, specific, unique character trait right yeah like when we meet people that we never met before we're always instantly looking for like the the closest relationship we can find to that person mm -hmm. so they're not a stranger yeah they're like a next of kin or like yeah. a friend of a friend how do i relate to you yeah so that's always like you know where, where'd you go to high school is about it's not about like judging you for going to newman or what or you know like 
anything like that, but it's like, oh, I know people that go to Newman, or oh, yeah. I know people oh, that you know go this to this person, you know that person, exactly. Like, oh, you did this sport at this time, like yeah. I bet you know this person. Like six degrees, making it like even shorter distances between each other, and you're not going to find that anywhere else in America, at least. Yeah. Uh, and I just think that that's something worth preserving. So, yeah, I, I I think a lot of people see the trajectory of the city going in a direction that's not. <laughs> very tenable right like yeah. our streets have been terrible for 40 years mm-hmm. our school system has always had issues and then they, they seem to be new issues or new manifestations of that um and you just see that there's tons of money like the city council budget was its largest it's ever been like i think it reached a billion dollars whoa and that's so much money. And How each, is it not going to? Yeah, that's crazy. And so yeah. even before we started this episode, I was asking Bob preliminary questions because I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I was like, how many representatives do we have in a district? And you were saying it's one a district. District A is one person. Mm-hmm. And you described the size of District A, and it's huge. Yeah, there's five districts for the entire city. Yeah. And then the two at large. And you look at like comparable cities that are around the same size as New Orleans, it's somewhere between like seven and like twelve or thirteen. Wow! Districts. So we really need more districts. I it depends on what you want city council to be. Okay, right? interesting. City council is like our legislative branch, but they're also like our only community relations that we have with like. Anytime you have an issue with like oh like, the power's out, you go to Entergy, but you can also like go to your city council person and they'll figure it out. And like council member Jeruso who's my city council district uh, member, he feels so much just like on social media, mm-hmm. like like living in people's comments of like, right. like, like, yeah, send me your info and we'll take care of it. Yeah. And, and that's the only lifeline we have is with city council because the mayor's office has district offices, but they're not open all the time. They're not dedicated resources you know? so our city council people literally are representing us to the greater city yes ideally and they're doing you know writing the laws of the city they're also regulating energy and all these other utility companies that we like they have a lot of responsibilities right and it's crazy that it's only seven people that's nuts. that are doing that. i know well just now when you were telling me there's five district i was just like really yeah Re- that's it there's only five people, there's, and then there's a council head, I assume, or like there's there's two at large. There's the president and the vice president. So right. uh, council member Moreno is the president, Got and uh, council member Morell is vice president. I'm so glad you're explaining this very basic thing about our city's council because I don't, I don't know civics 101. I, truly, like I mean, you just forget. Like I go vote every year for my council people, and I know they represent me in some facet, but I'm like. In what facet exactly are they yeah. representing me? Because, you know, I'm not dealing with them. I will say, though, when we had that flood the other day, literally was that yesterday or the day before? Yeah. Um, my mother, you know, my mother is big about contacting. She's always contacting her council people when things aren't going her way. But she she didn't contact them, but she saw that he had already contacted Sewage and Water Board demanding an explanation. She's like, I like him. He's already, like, doing what we want him to do, you know? Yeah. And she's real into being connected to our council person because it's gotten stuff done for her in the past. I mean, we've lived in this exact spot for like over 30 years now, you know, so she really like takes pride in her community. And she's I see her like make her little active citizen steps to like, you know, get help when she wants it and like demand for it. She's real like active in that way. You know, it's very sweet. Yeah. And, and doing canvassing and stuff and, and going into these different uh, communities 
I, I heard that so often about like I try to reach them and they're not answering or yeah. like I, I, I write and I write and I write and there's just like no progress. They, they come up with excuses for, oh, it's out of our control, out of our hands type of thing. And that was the most frequent thing that I heard from people. E yeah. Even though Councilmember Jeruso is probably one of the most proactive representatives, it's, it, it's still just insufficient. Right. And I think it's more of a structural issue, which is like, why is that the way it needs to work? It just seems... Yeah, it seems like it's not enough hands for the work. Exactly. Yet yeah. It seems like it's way too small and there needs to be more systems in place so that people can move their issues through it. Yeah. And it's not just one guy replying to comments on Instagram or Facebook. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? I, I, would assume, I would assume some of his staffers probably. Right. Have one, I assume yes. that too. I assume that too. But it's like, even so, yeah. it's like so archaic. Like, that's such a strange. Yeah. It's like literally writing a letter and like just sending it into the world and being like, maybe I'll get a response. Yeah. Uh, and then it's like billions of those. And these people are like fielding that all day. It's like, why is this the way we're doing this? Yeah. And like, my experience as a software developer, like, you know, you release a product and they have help sections. Like I have a bug. How, how do I report yeah. a bug? Or like, I have a feature request. Like I would love it to do this instead of that. And all of those things, depending on the software company handle it different ways, but you still have that basic like intake. Yeah. It's not based on relationships that you have with human beings. It's right. like Data you're, you're, intake. Pro you're providing a service that I pay for. Yeah. And it's not doing what I'm paying for. So why is it, not happening yeah and it's just crazy to think that there's so many problems that people encounter on a daily basis here mm -hmm. whether it's with your internet with street flooding with oh our lights have been out for months they just keep yeah. going out at a lesion like major lights and i feel like i've been seeing that across the city lately they'll just yeah. be out for days at a time i'm like what this is so unsafe yeah so unsafe and what's kind I of frustrating it. that everyone has is that like you know that's a shared thing that that's not just happening in in lakeview or in gentilly or in any it's, it's citywide yeah. it's a systemic problem yeah and so that that was the thing that i tried to approach from it was like this system is not designed to handle the way that our government is now structured like neoliberalism has kind of gutted a lot of the public safety net that we have and now you have like nonprofits doing it, or now you have right. you know, for-profit companies handling your garbage. Yeah, and we're seeing that these systems just are broken. Maybe it's not the individual people that are making up the system. Maybe it's just you know the structure of the system is yeah, not engineered like, to help. That's what I'm saying with the letters coming in. It's like that is not. I mean, at, in my business. When something is not working, we have, I'll, I'm going to use an example. Yes. We have a, a follow-up. When, when members haven't been coming to class after a week, we send them a message. Be like, hey, where were you last week? You know, because we're a real small community-based gym and we like to check on people. And we have a little program that tells us who's been absent for how mm -hmm. long. And we send them a message and we check on them. And we didn't have a good follow-up system for knowing where people are say bob's out of town for a week and only one trainer knows that but if they write it in this doc that we've now made everyone can see the doc yeah. so if they're like where's bob been all the week and before that trainer shoots you a text like bob where you been all week they go to the doc and see if anyone's reached out to you and we know you're out of town yep. and we solved that problem this week it's like all we need is a doc that everyone can see and the problem will be solved it's like you have to build systems that are more effective and if it's like yeah, if you have user dissatisfaction, people are always complaining that not they're not being heard and that their problems aren't being solved. 
it's like if there's user dissatisfaction, you build a new system. Yeah. You know, you don't just like continue on the same road, you know? And I feel like that's where people get frustrated as like politically active citizens. They're like, well, mm -hmm. I try and I try and nothing changes. Yeah. And it's like, well, because people are, and I feel like there's probably a lot of red tape, obviously, especially yeah. government adding anything and changing the way you do anything is its own long process. But it's like, yeah, that's what you freaking sign up for, right? Is like yeah. this like <laughs> tedious, like, litig like little bitty, I don't know, details. And that's why so many of the people that are in the system are either of the legal profession or, you know, like some extension of that because, like you said, the the, the ability to track every single one of these little conflicting uh, requirements, stuff like that, yeah. But I'm, I'm glad you talked about that, that document that you have because it's about transparent, open, active communication. Exactly. Right? And that's like how software moves in such a rapid, we call it agile, uh, because it's designed to go towards results, not towards processes. Right. It's designed to make sure that if you're going to have a team of people, that they are able to work without obstacles. Yeah. So, like, one of the things that I used to do as a scrum master, completely separate discussion. <laughs> I know yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm segueing, but like, my job as a scrum master was to get hurdles out of people's way so that they can get to where they need to go. Mm -hmm. Right. And if two different team members are working on things at the same time and not communicating with each other yes then then you're bound to run into collision whether that's someone assumed something else or someone didn't know that that person was going to do something and they step on each other's toes and that's like the role of, of like a scrum master or, or someone that's involved where they're not a member of a team but they help you know sort of negotiate and mediate right. towards a you know the end goal which is getting shit done yeah yeah <laughs> making living better for everyone involved yeah yeah it's 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 such a at its core a noble cause like the idea of being you know any kind of representative of the people because ultimately what you're going to be fielding all of the time is negative feedback and very little positive feedback yeah. and that's what you're signing up for is to hear people tell you what's not working and Damn, yeah. you know, like <laughs> damn. I, I, was you gotta a, have some thick skin. I mean, I you gotta be in it for the right reasons. Yeah. You know, like doing stand up comedy at some shitty bar in Alabama and getting heckled like my entire set <laughs> is very much, you know, the striking it's, of the iron. It, it set it, you it, up. It molds you and it hardens you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 so funny that you talk about that because doing like sound engineering like I, I used to do that sometimes in theater and like they told you you you're doing the best job when no one notices that you're even doing the work that you're doing the only time that you're ever going to hear anything is negative yes feedback and it's just one of those things that i think people's expectations of how things should be mm -hmm. when they're not being met yeah that's what drives people to want to give that feedback yeah but if so many di different people have so many different expectations yeah then yeah you're gonna get conflicting negative Dude, feedback too brutal brutal yeah. so i mean i mean good on you for even wanting to yeah. to deal with the people of the city and my whole philosophy behind it is like direct democracy like yeah. i i want the people to hopefully like figure stuff out on their own like mm -hmm. if you're having an issue in your community that you know you can resolve why can't you resolve it right Right. yeah but i mean my question comes in with well isn't that why they pay taxes yeah <laughs> you know like what isn't it if we're supposedly in this system where we pay all this tax money and all these 
whatever, you know, all the money that yes. we put into the system. Why is the system not working for us? Yeah. You know, and it's like it's like it's like I think community initiatives are great, but it's like what is all happening with all the money that's getting funneled mm-hmm. into the city if it's not fixing the problems, you yeah. know? And that's been the question in New Orleans <laughs> forever. The tale exactly. as old as time is because we know what happens to the money yeah. in this city because we've seen it happen time and 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 time, oh, yeah. time again. Like my parents have been here their whole lives. I've been hearing stories about corrupt politicians in this city my entire life. Yeah. Like since I was a child, I have understood that New Orleans government is corrupt. Like that has been my branding and understanding of City Hall at this in this in this city my whole life. Mm-hmm. Never positive, like yeah. only negative, you know? There's been moments where mayors have done things that my family has liked, but for the most part it's like and there's also like news to back it up, like literal yeah. people going to jail that have represented our city and state like for Serious crimes, you know, yeah. so every decade we're due for some, you know, federal indictment to come down. Yeah. Truly. And, and it's not Our just. Our DA is getting indicted right now. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if, if the actual indictment is. Or not is indicted. Forward, but, but yeah, like investigated. Investigated. Yeah. Right. That's what I meant. For, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't want taxes. To, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to spread fake news. But yeah, investigated yeah. for his tax behavior. Yeah. And, and it's. <laughs> And it's not even just limited to the people that are elected officials necessarily, but yeah. you also have the people inside City Hall, that I guess you call them bureaucrats, um, that I don't think get enough focus from like the general scope of the media. Yeah. But like independent media has always been like showcasing, like, look at all this corrupt shit that's going on. Yeah. And it's just a matter of people either listening to it and ignoring it or people just not looking for that independent source of media yeah like the lens has been doing so much incredible work on um the smart cities thing that came up recently i don't Uh, think i know what that is all right so this is a long-winded thing but uh smart cities is this initiative to try to give uh free internet access to low-income households across the city but it's also designed for like trying to make this network of connected devices that have cameras and Wi-Fi, and it's a whole network and system designed to you know like say for street flooding, having your streetlights uh, okay. be able to see that it's flooding and stuff right, like that. Right, right. Well, the people that are trying to sell us this initiative uh-huh. include people that are actually working inside City Hall oh, yeah, that are I handling. Have, these. I have heard of this. I have. Yeah. And, it, and it's slowly gaining in scope how many people are involved in this to the point where city council actually sent out, um, uh, what are those called? Uh, like where they're trying to get people to make their statements and only two of them responded. The two that have had the most dirt exposed on them, they were the two that were the most compliant. The other three asked for an extension. The extension went through and then finally they just like completely skipped out on it so they just filed them for contempt of counsel one of which is the like head lawyer for the mayor's office and not only did he sue the city he sued it in the capacity of the city against city council so now he's using tax dollars to start litigation to prevent him from testifying about this oh my god yes yeah, this is what I'm talking about. And it gives me flashbacks to when Nagan, uh, his uh, chief technology officer, uh, Tim Meffert, or Greg Meffert, Greg Meffert, 
uh, he also had some like insider maneuvering of some of the technology contracts. And that's what eventually led Nagan to being arrested was from this same thing. It's time is a flat circle. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> or a bowl shaped circle. It's so, it's so absurd. Yeah. It's so absurd. It's comedy. It, 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 it <laughs> is comedy. It is absurdism. Yeah. It is absurdism that people continuously choose bad behavior, things they know are unethical when they have chosen these positions representing a greater people and yet they continuously choose these selfish, egocentric ways. It's yeah. like, do this is it's a capitalism. You could do yes. anything. You could start a private business and be protected by that private business and make as much capital as you want. But if you're gonna serve a people, you know, I mean, if you work in City Hall in any capacity, you are there serving the people. Yes. Like whatever the job is from the janitors all the way up to the council, the mayor, you're serving the people of this city in, in a capacity. And it's like you could do anything else. You know, you don't have to rip off the people you're supposed to be representing. It's disgusting. It's and that's why people I mean, that's why my parents my whole life have said the city is corrupt. I have this understanding that our city is corrupt. Because this this trend happens, and why does it always happen? Does yeah. it happen in other cities at the capacity it happens here? I'm sure like it and does. Just, maybe in like l very large cities like Chicago and New York and yeah. L A. Like L A. has a lot of uh, corruption issues that are similar, but that's because they're massive, and right? It's like so much to manage. There's a lot of opportunities for grifting. Yeah. But in New Orleans, like you said, it's just a historical thing. When you start making government a family business. Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't be a business at all, Quite right? Literally, people but but you to have families. a lineage, yes, to have it to where, um, and it, and it comes down to name recognition. It comes down to building those, you know, familiar relationships and like families. It's so funny we should have just elect people on their names. They're like, yeah. oh, I know this name. Click. That is how people vote. Yes. Like. Yeah. Like, and, we've and you got to stop doing that. And of the people that vote, that only makes up like less than thirty percent of the people that are registered to vote. So there's yeah. some. I, I think that there's that represents such a small amount of our voter base. The other is that they do recognize those names, and they're the only names, and that's why they're not going to vote. Yeah. Or they don't feel like they're inspired by a specific candidate right. to drive them to want to go to a poll. Right. Like, um, my friend Marcel, who was on the podcast, said. I don't know if she said it on air or not, but she said voter suppression is convincing people their vote doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like that is, voter suppression has done its job at that point. It's convinced people that their vote doesn't count or matter. And I was like, damn, that's so real. And I get it. I get it. Yeah. But you're right. And pe the people like you, Bob, running, even just running and running and like talking about it. I'm glad you're here talking about it. It We are starting to break the pattern of being like, this is not normal. This yeah. is not acceptable. And the more and more of us that can gather up and be like, yeah, this is not normal. Like, this is not acceptable. Like, that is how change happens. It's small incremental changes. It's like celebrating the, like, inches we get, you know, in a system that is built to oppress and, yeah. like, exploit. And so it's like every inch we can get of liberation or radicalness, you know, like, I, I get happy and I try to celebrate the littlest movement in, yeah. in that direction because it's such tiny incremental things. It's you a know? spark. And, yeah. And once it reaches to, you know, a full-fledged fire, that that's when I, I think we'll start to see, you know, the light of liberation, you know, like yeah. finding those moments where we can f actually feel free. Yeah. It, it's, 
an inspiring movement, you know, Truly. like and art, I think, has always been and music, especially in New Orleans, has been those moments of like true freedom where you, you just lose yourself. Yeah, you can express. You yeah, can just express yourself. And yeah, it, it's it's so interesting to see sort of the liberation movements that are happening in New Orleans and, you know, like the activist circles or just in like old school organizing and finding their ways for like self-determination for continuously fighting and pushing against those extractive systems. I, I think that that's the inspiring stuff. And it, it just sucks that in this ever connected world that we do live in overly connected sometimes that we still lose sight of these things happening. Um, yeah, because the thing about being completely connected is that we are still consuming it in this very self-centered way. Mm -hmm. We've got our own algorithm that tells us exactly what we want yeah. to consume in the way we'd like to consume it. You know, it's not a full worldview and it's not like representative of everything truly around us. It's a very condensed worldview. The people that we know, the people we grew up with, the people that share things we actually like and that's what we see it's the more and i'm always on my phone so I, yeah. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here but the more we lock in as this is our only source of connectivity the more unconnected we're gonna yes. get and the way that we break those cycles is by having conversations meeting people me understanding city council better <laughs> you know like little things like do i still think city council is the way for me no i think we need no. to make some major yeah. changes but like do i need to have more comprehensive understanding of it so that i can understand the city how it moves how people in it work and get to work and etc yeah. like yes i need to have a more comprehensive and the only way i'm going to get that is by having conversations and living in the real world with those people Hell you know yeah, yeah. For or sure. like reading things online and getting bored out of my mind. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. You know, I'll do it to an extent, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's so. definitely like individualism, you know, totally and, and, and you talk about capitalism, like how the effects of alienation that are built into the system are intentional, right? Intentional. I always say this. And you I know, always say this. Marx even talks about how the demise of capitalism comes in its structures. And it talks about like these industrial workers are all crammed into these, terrible working conditions within close proximity and those are the the most ripe opportunities for labor organizing yeah same with tenants if you have a, sh a like an awful awful landlord of a human being who has these you know tenements or like huge apartment buildings where people are crammed into these tiny little you know spaces yeah again same thing that's the ripe opportunity because they're all living under We're the right same on top shitty of each other. Here we are. material conditions. Let's start talking. Yeah. Let's start doing stuff. And so I think one of the the cleverest moves that have been made from capitalism in you know the modern world is how do we separate people while still letting them feel connected? Mm -hmm. So mass communication has really mm -hmm. done that. Yeah. Uh, I think remote learning is another opportunity that's been to like squash labor movements because now like people aren't even living in the same state. So you may not even be able to organize them because even though they're on payroll and remote state, working, you mean like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they don't live yeah. near you. So yeah. like, how the hell do I try to organize my workplace when I've never actually met any of my coworkers in, in person? Right. right. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's like you said, I, I think the the intentional engagement of interpersonal connection starts to break down those walls of individualism. And the yeah. more we start to see ourselves as a wider collective of human beings, mm -hmm. I think that 
that's when the movement starts to grow. That's Hell when, yeah. That's when we start to feel, you know, love and joy shared and that's, around. That's where we break down all of the homophobia and the yes. racism and the ableism and the ageism. That's where we do that work so that we can connect. Yes. That's why we're doing that base work right now where we're like, we need to have critical race theory. We need to like really know how to show up in these spaces and be truly in community with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so real. Yeah. Okay. We, we have to take a break, but we'll be right yeah. back. <laughs> Hello. It's your host. Mary Jacobs. I'm sitting here with my producer, Carrie Mulder, and we are so excited to be bringing you Planet NOLA this episode and every episode. We really believe in this podcast Mm -hmm. and the work it's doing in New Orleans to build community, to reach out to people, um, and we really love what we do. Yeah, we love our guests, we love our audience, our listeners, we love each other. It's just a big love fest. So if you love this podcast and you believe in what we're doing, it would mean the world to us if you considered subscribing to our Patreon. We just launched it. The lowest tier is $5. Mm-hmm. And we are just really trying to get this podcast to pay for itself a little bit, mm-hmm. um, maybe support ourselves just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We're both creative people who have a lot of projects, and this is a big one in our lives. So if mm-hmm. you love it as much as we love it, um, it would mean the world to us if you considered subscribing. There is bonus content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really fun. It takes a deep dive into the episode, kind of circle back to some of the topics they've been fun yeah Super we basically fun. record with the guests as soon as we're done their episode and do a more candid version of their podcast mm-hmm. it's shorter but it's more self-effacing and it feels like just real real you yeah know? it's it's bts behind the scenes it's the bts so if you want more planet nola content you could subscribe to our patreon and mm-hmm. get it it would mean so much to us so okay mm-hmm. we'll let you go back to your episode now but please okay. consider thank you bye This episode of Planet NOLA is brought to you by Vitality Community Fitness. Vitality is a functional training gym located in Metairie, Louisiana. And at Vitality, we focus on members as individuals. That's right. We don't want people together. We don't assume that everybody has the same goals when they step into our gym. We also don't push things like body ideals or diet culture. We try to focus on the full person and we try to give an experience that matches that. We've got incredible coaches. We've got an incredible community. And if you're looking for a place to call your new gym home, consider checking us out. We offer a three free class trial. That's right. Literally no commitment. You can try three of our classes in a week to see if our gym is for you because ultimately we want people who want to be there. And if it sounds like this might be the space for you, please consider checking us out. You can go to vitalitycommunityfitness.com, click the contact button and get started. And we're back to Planet NOLA. I'm still here with my buddy Bob. We've been talking about New Orleans political landscape corruption running for local office what is local office among many other things um bob was teasing me before the ha- before the podcast that you may or may not run again Wh- what's yeah. your likelihood of running again i don't know man like four years is a long time yeah right? a lot can change um like my hesitancy to run in the first place is mm-hmm. that like i, I want to prop up non-white men right <laughs> into office and i just i i don't want to contribute to that lack of representation that's always been my hesitation um when i ran in district a i i had the feeling that joe was not going to draw a lot of challengers because and so it was considered like a safe seat mm-hmm. and i was like well that at least gives me the opportunity to like be as real as possible yeah to really confront issues that are being neglected by your current sitting council member, you know, right. and really touch upon like how not just he could do better, but like how in general the, the flaw of the system, like what yeah. we've been talking about. 
But when it's an open election, whew, yeah, uh, you never know who's going to run. So, like, if there's someone that lives in District A that is not a straight white man mm-hmm. that is espousing some similar values to me, I, I, I'm, I would probably work to getting that person elected over me. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like I said, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, the and, next council is in four. Is that what you're saying? Is four yeah. Years? So, so 2021, then. 2025 yeah oh, they, they so do it they do it the off year from the presidential election it's lame Jeez. Yeah. imagine the voter turnout we'd have if it was on the same year as president it'd be so much more convenient also yes. just be like you know what this is the year we vote let's just get it out of the friggin way yeah and i know that there are definitely a lot of states that are trying to move to that but i think municipally we we should absolutely if you if you want to talk about strengthening democracy like our democracy's under attack right now it's like it's kind of always been under attack right because it's never really been like fully uh, developed yeah the representative democratic model is flawed (laughs) if money can just flow it's hardly democratic yeah exactly hardly democratic it's under threat because it's never actually been really what it's supposed to be when you look at like i've I've been reading this book about uh the russian revolution and like to go from the czar to like a full socialist country yeah had to go through phases right and one of those phases was uh the dumas which is like their like congress their provisional government mm-hmm. that they're trying to form and like reading it the way they talk about representative democracies like that's the the stage that you need to get to but it's not the end all stage right because if you leave it there it's just as bad as if you had an autocratic yeah you know monarch which yeah. is what they had and that's and it kept going back and forth between that state because it's it's designed in a in a in a way that assumes a lot yeah of good faith and if that good faith is not there and if as you have explained there's yeah. hardly good faith to or go you have around. opportunists that see the flaws and could take advantage of that to their own benefit which we see yeah. all the time yeah then yeah you're never going to have a, a democracy that's functioning for the sake for the representation of the majority while protecting the minority and right. instead we have an inverse of that where you have minority rule at the expense of the majority. Yeah. And that, that continues to happen on a federal, state, and local level. If you had a wish for your average New Orleanian citizen to become more politically active, what would that wish be? Like, what what do you want of people to, to do? I mean, you don't expect everybody to run for office. I mean, why not, though? Sure. You know, like, it, it's it's a challenge, right? But that's, there, like, the biggest undertaking. I'm talking Joe Schmell. I'm never running for office. I own two businesses. You know how busy I am? <laughs> I would be corrupt as hell because I would be so tired. Yeah. I'd be trying to get all the money. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I would never. I, I wouldn't steal from the New Orleans government. I promise. Yeah. Not intentionally. Not intentionally. Yeah. Only if it's like slipped in your back pocket. Yeah. Yeah. If it's if I'm paid strictly in flowers and fine chocolates. Yeah. That doesn't count. And it's funny that you talk about not everybody wanting to run for office because there are definitely people that run for office just to run for office and there's like this whole like business industry in new orleans for local politics just so I, to run yeah like they're like is it like a show like a debutante ball no, or something? i mean they may feel that way i don't know <laughs> but i feel like uh you know when i when i you know uh registered and yeah. you know, like uh qualified for it uh i i put like my email address and my phone number like not thinking that oh that's public information now and all these grifters are going to start like trying to run your campaign for you like there is someone who like contacted me 
it's like, hey, you know, like I'm, I'm glad you're running, and I'd, I'd love to to sit down and like, yeah, sure, okay. And then he's like pitching me like, yeah, I'm just going to run your campaign for you. I'm going to get 10% of all the fundraising that happens. And I'm like, well, I have pledges for campaign funding. Like, who are you thinking of trying to get this money from? And he starts reeling off all these names of like, you know, millionaires and oligarchs in our city, like, like Sidney Torres and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't, I don't want Sidney Torres's money. No. Yeah. He's like, oh, well that puts me in a real bind. I'm like, I mean, you don't have this job. Who yeah, are you? Yeah, like, You're a stranger who cool called me. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And, and when it comes to like yard signs, when it comes to mailers, the mailers are the craziest thing about this, right? Like Why? the little ballots that they send out. Uh-huh. So there are some groups out there whose sole function is to send these ballots out. So they will... Take names off of it. And- well, not only that, but it, 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 there's pro ratas, right? Uh-huh. Where, all right, our mailer campaign is going to cost $20,000. So you owe me three thousand, mm-hmm. and so for them it's a money maker because they're not doing anything other than like, you know, asking a, a printing company to print and distribute this mailer with these people's faces on it. Like they don't actually make a product. Yeah, they're not, and they're only getting paid by these political campaigns who are in turn raising money based on the support that they have. It, it's just a a, a, a cycle wild yes and exhausting. like and when you look at like the political campaign contributions but also the expenditures mm-hmm. that's where you start to see where this money is coming from and where it's going yeah and sometimes it's a circle yeah that makes complete sense yeah <laughs> that makes complete sense to me okay aside from running from office yes. though, what's your dream for a new orleans resident to be more politically active how can they do it what should they do um it's not easy Right. I know that, you know, we're we're the big easy, but it's 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 a it's a difficult task. You gotta read a bunch, right? It's boring, I know. But like I, I, I cut out my time from Facebook to just like read <laughs> news articles, uh history about New Orleans and it's hard. But I would hope that they just step out of their comfort zone, lean into the discomfort. If you feel like you have a passion that something could be better, then start being uncomfortable about it. Like start asking your elected officials, why, what are they going to do about it? Why isn't it being done now? Go to these meetings. They have plenty of neighborhood meetings all the time. Do you go to your neighborhood meetings? I'm, I'm a member of my neighborhood association. So like I go to them all the time mm-hmm. and like, that's where I'll hear like Jason Williams saying that he regrets saying he doesn't want to charge kids as adults. Yeah. Like he made that pledge during his campaign as a progressive DA. Well, I remember, but to a room full of older white conservative people, he's like, that's a, a mistake and I regret it and got like a round of applause for it. And it's just like, oh. He can say that in this room. Yeah. He doesn't know that I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I actually asked him about the uh, surveillance ordinance that that he helped pass on city council. Mm-hmm. Because now NOPD is trying to not only roll it back, but expand the surveillance that they want to use. And it was interesting to like. Those are those camera light, those ones that flash. Mm-hmm. Those obnoxious friggin' Yeah. Lights. There's, there's hundreds of them. So many of them. I got into this. Uh, what like, do they even do? So there's a lot of things that they do. Uh, there's this whole si- multi-million dollar system called the Real-Time Surveillance Center, and it is a fucking dystopian wall of monitors. And there's like two or three people that are just watching it. 
and then they'll get like a radio call to look at a certain neighborhood and they'll do that and it what's insane about it is that there's no transparency on like who these people are (laughs) what procedures there's and and they'll say oh we have policies but then when you start to do like freedom of information act Mm -hmm. requests on them who has access to this this footage yeah exactly so they share it with like law enforcement in general so like ice the fbi so in theory they could uh you know deport people using these surveillance systems uh they can use it to extradite people to other states uh, but what they're using it for mostly that that has been like shown in these legal documents is not violent crime. It's on trying to get felons with guns on them to send them back to jail. It's to uh, mostly deal with with drugs and also labor disputes. Whoa! There were a couple of firefighters who um, were in a labor dispute because someone filed for uh, being injured on the job. And they use surveillance footage from these crime cameras to show that their story didn't quite add up. And so they're using this to target union workers in our city government rather than, you know, allegedly stop Whatever they're, like, yeah, claiming it's for. Oh, my God. And and none of this stuff was even readily available. Like, I want to say, like, six or seven years ago when they first started coming up. I tried to send a freedom of information request and it got denied for Homeland Security reasons because Homeland Security is one of the departments that's involved with this. Yeah. this footage. So they said you, you can't know where they are, you can't know who's the vendor setting them up, and you can't know like the make and model of the devices. So we are just living in Big Brother. So eventually there was a lawsuit because uh, they used this real-time camera to zoom in on a guy on a porch to do like a drug sting. And he was a guy who was on probation, didn't have drugs. None of that ever came to light. And in the process of fighting this in court for this client, that's when they were able to get a judge to say, no, you have to reveal the location of this. So now, like, if you go on the city's website, there's a whole data section where you can just get all the data. And I highly recommend it. Whoa. And so one of the data points that they now share is where all of these cameras are. Yeah. But the challenge is, like, the NOPD captains of each of these districts, they're the ones who say where they go. Mm-hmm. What policies dictate that? We don't know. Yeah. Most of, so I, I started working on trying to find the relation between like the racial makeup of these neighborhoods mm-hmm. and how it compares to, you know, like and if they were to arbitrarily place a camera versus are they putting them in black neighborhoods? Yeah. On yeah. purpose. Yeah. Um, and that's how I kind of got into like ion surveillance and um yeah it, it, it's been like a never-ending fight to try to push back on state surveillance with the claim that it's there for our safety but in actuality it's not being used for that at all yeah do i trust the government to surveil its people no the mm-hmm. answer is absolutely no they have a great history of surveilling its own people to do exactly what you're saying yeah. and, they- and now they're trying to use all these modern tools like facial recognition oh, yeah. uh stingrays which are cell phone tower emulators. Mm-hmm. So in other words, they will pull up a car and your cell phone will think that's a cell phone tower rather than a real cell phone tower. So all the data that you send and receive from your phone is going through a, a, a cop car pretty much. They're trying to bring that back. Why, why would they ever need that? Terrorism. 
obviously, if the terrorist is in there sending texts, allegedly. Alleged is, is not yes. what that's about. That They're is. also trying to bring back uh, this thing called spot sh- or shot spotter, which is technology to detect uh, gunshots. This was actually used during the, the Landry administration. They got rid of it because it doesn't actually work. Yeah. There's so many miss uh labeled right gun- and we live in a city with drums all the time yeah we actively play gunshots or fireworks like yeah. <laughs> this is not a city that's that's going to do that but what we found was that there's a link to where they place these and it's always in black neighborhoods always and it gives them the the foresight to say oh there's a potential gunshot we can send in armed officers to this neighborhood yeah so if it focuses policing on specific communities that are already over policed and they claim that it's for trying to solve crimes when in actuality it's just too what's your what's your political platform on defunding the police i mean yeah like i i phrased it as uh, uh balancing the budget or flipping the budget um like shout out to uh the gordon plaza organizers because they, they've always been about flip the budget mm-hmm. like, take them down nola flip the budget yeah and it, and it showcases like the disproportionate spending on police so that was my platform. Like, I, 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 if someone said, "Do you support defunding the police?" I would say yes. Yeah. And I said, "That's what my policy is." Like, and show concrete examples of where we can take money. In, that's yeah, being spent. in New Orleans specifically, can yeah. you be really specific what that would look like if it were up to you? Sure. So, my thing is like, why are we paying cops to get better at killing people? Is that their job to kill people? Mm-hmm. So why are we spending money on so many rounds of munition for training? Why are we spending it on the gun range time? If we don't want our cops to kill people, why are we training them to kill people? Mm -hmm. So that's one example of where we can take very specific large amounts of funding away from that and into other programs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mental health crises responses. Um, Help Not Handcuffs was a big program at the time when I was running, and I was uh, a vocal supporter of that as well, where... 911 calls for any event that could potentially be a, a mental crises event. You don't send a cop; you send, you know, a, a social worker or, or some other entity that is not, you a know, with, with a gun team that yeah. is trained in mental health. And and there's about a half dozen programs already in place in major cities. Like Denver just released the data on their pilot program, and like it had this huge reduction in amount of. Uh, incidents with police as a result of that without any increase in cost so it it was more cost effective to do this than to send a a cop out to do it right more likely you're not going to arrest someone (laughs) more likely you're not going to send someone through the criminal justice system experience during lockdown where it was definitely a mental health crisis Mm -hmm. and we were in this really hard position where we knew if we called the police it would escalate yeah but there was nobody that we could call. You know, I was like mm-hmm. calling friends that were therapists. Like, yeah. it was such a tough position to be in. And afterwards, I found out we've had programs here that are for that exact thing. But I don't even know about those yeah. programs. I don't even trust calling 911 to be like, hey, I have someone in mental health crises. And they'll I, put you on hold. <laughs> I know that they're going to send a cop yeah. with a gun on their hip, mm-hmm. which I would never want to be the person that called the cop on someone in a mental health crisis. Yeah. With, you know, an untrained, trigger-happy police officer way more trained in shooting a gun than he is at talking to people, Yeah, you know? So... And like you said, they have had programs that existed, but they're not uh, scaled up to handle the entire city. They're, They're More importantly, the fact that they exist and no one knows about it 
shows another flaw with it, which yeah, is like, like wh- I didn't know there was a how are they not response. how are they not integrated into the emergency response system already? Like to have this disparate program floating about taking tax dollars yeah. and not actively being used. Yeah, it's, it feels then like you'd have to call nine one one and specifically yeah. request, can I please have someone that's not. Yeah. an armed police officer. And as a result of the Help Not Handcuffs campaign, we were able to get a task force created uh, headed by Councilmember Marino, and they weren't even meeting at the start of this year. Just It just didn't get like scheduled. It didn't happen. <laughs> and, and now they're starting to happen, and uh, Moreno's office released like this whole plan to crime, and one of the things they're saying is like, we're just going to like, kickstart this program like we don't need a task force let's right just, like, let's just do it get it happening because it's clearly something that's going to save money it's going to move police away from doing nonviolent crimes mm-hmm. that's the other thing too is that the workforce that the police force that we have right now is less than a thousand and um it's like okay if you have a a, a job shortage or whatever mm-hmm. you're going to put them in places like why are they doing any of this shit like yeah they, get help yeah like they if my delegate. job once again i own yeah, a business yeah. <laughs> and when i have too many tasks on my plate i delegate yes i delegate if, if, if you go to like a grocery store and you're short-staffed you're not going to have someone randomly sweeping and dusting yeah that's not a priority no, you need right? every stalker you can have yeah. <laughs> every cashier you can have exactly yeah no it's it's not efficient and a lot of it is like the political how hard it is to change things and get things moved around and that's why it takes people that are willing to do the work and change the systems and that's why i'm grateful to people like you for being in our city because even just taking the time to educate yourself being able to articulate what's going on and sharing it with people that are listening right now is so important and i appreciate it that's why i'm here hell yeah (laughs) all right i want to ask you our million dollar question sure it's um if you had an unlimited budget right now, someone said you can do whatever you want in your city. Here's however much money you need. What's the first thing you would do with that money? Make sure we don't have any homeless people. Yeah. I think having a guaranteed right. How would you do right that? To, how, how would I do yeah. it? Oh, I have no idea. There's a lot smarter people yeah. than me that, that have plans. You would plans. give the money to someone to figure that out. Yes. I, I would make sure that, like, for number one, we would stop commodifying housing. So no more yes. uh, Air, unlimited Airbnbs. Yes. Uh, heavy regulation on rental properties uh especially like multiple property landlords like the ones that own like Mm, 20 apartment buildings and they're all terrible yeah uh like i i don't care about small landlords i think small landlords are doing it because they actually want to house people yeah right maybe they've come into a house from inheritance from you know like an older person who died it's also much easier to hold Charlie talked about this. It's much easier to hold a landlord who's got one property accountable mm-hmm. for their property. Yeah. But these developers that have, like you're saying, they're slumlording all across the city. Yeah. That is such a bigger thing. Dude, and, and Sidney Torres's younger son, Sidney Torres the fifth, is trying. He's like an up and coming slumlord now. Oh There's this whole God. thing about converting um, houses into dorms, pretty much, and like targeting college kids. So if you have like a four bedroom, oh, I've seen yeah. this. Yeah, d- uh, doubles to dorms. Is doubles what to yeah. dorms, and there people are protesting it. Yeah, and Joe Jeruso made because it's mostly happening within District A in the uptown area. Uptown. And his whole thing was like, oh, let's appease the uh, land owners that are around there by like trying to restrict parking or like tying parking to it because that was where their complaint was. Is like. I don't have a place to park because there's nine people living in yeah. this house and not let's start actually enforcing the, 
the the ordinances that are in place because yeah. these people are already breaking them yeah and instead try to add even more tape on top of it and it yeah just just to to get at is that like i think if, if we make housing like a guaranteed thing there's so many empty properties right now in the city that are just sitting there sitting and so we we have the the stock available so improve any of the the rundown places to make them livable get rid of airbnb yes and make a system to where like if you need a place to live you have a place to live and if you can't afford it then there's where that unlimited money goes it's afforded to you yeah no one's trying to actively rip off the government to get a free place to live it's just every human being deserves a place deserves a place to live yes period end of story it's we have normalized in this nation so much suffering it is so normal to see such massive suffering it is normal for people to just say well you're you're homeless if 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 you're homeless you're homeless Mm -hmm. and it's like how how is it normalized to you to see people piled up in the street struggling you know Mm -hmm. how is that normalized yeah and our nation has just done a really good job numbing people out to the suffering that surrounds them because it's so great there's so much suffering it feels negative to talk about it but it's important to talk about it because it's like it's the reality of it and it's like how do we acknowledge it and make it better yeah there's a there's an unhoused person that um is on my block Mm -hmm. like all the time i I live kind of in a busy intersection in lakeview Mm -hmm. And I don't mind him there, and I a couple of times have tried to engage him, but uh, he doesn't seem interested. Yeah, so I will like, respect his space. Yeah. But at the same time, like I'm not going to try to complain about it on Facebook. That like, oh, yeah. that that guy's uh, airing out his shirt on yeah. the Lakeview sign. Yeah. It's a sign. It's yeah. it's not it's not like it's a, a living organism. People like are the so person. delicate. They're so yeah. delicate. People really tie property with like, like worth. Like that's yeah. the sign. He can't possibly put his shirt on this. It's like. Who cares? Well, look at Mardi Gras, man. Like these Who people cares? will stake out spots for for endymion oh, for days, God. and like the crew of Chad. It's such an uh, appropriator of something that is when not I yours. Do it, <laughs> when I do it, it's very okay. When you do it, it's dirty. Yeah, no, you're so freaking right. I think that's a great noble cause. I mean, I I'm right there with you. It would be a huge, huge thing that yeah. I'd love to be able to see this city. Transform. Same with same with with child poverty. I I, I just think it's it's unacceptable that our city allows so many children particularly black children to expect them to grow up into fully functioning adults when most of their life they've had to deal with housing instability feeding themselves and having a stable atmosphere to where they could be children well this is my million dollar idea it's always been is that i want to have a program where we pick all the kids up from school that have nobody at home when they get home mm-hmm. or don't have enough care, basically. We pick them up from school or they get dropped off by their buses at our center. It's like a big fucking place. And there's act after school structured activities. There's after school chill activities. There's study yeah. rooms with people in there. There's dinner served. Everyone goes yeah. home with seconds or a snack and they get picked up or there's like a bus at, you know, 730 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And maybe we even have showers and stuff like that. Like, I just want some place for those kids whose parents have to work to survive and they've got nowhere to be and they're bored and they don't have a community and have access to like great extracurriculars, whatever curricular they want and bridging the gap, getting them there, feeding them, making it so that 
people can survive and do what they need to do and like their kids are safe and like their kids are afforded the opportunities to do fun things too and not just have to skip out on cheerleading because of the uniform cost or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like I, yeah, the kids are where my brain is. I'm yeah. always just like, what can, cause the kids ultimately are going to be the adults. Yes. The kids need to love the city as much as we love it. They need to feel safe here. They need to like, feel like they have a community, you know, I, we're so lucky that we were so active as teenagers, you know, and yeah. we, we built communities when we were really young. Um, and that's a huge privilege that was afforded to us to be mm-hmm. able to know. We didn't know that we were doing at the time, but we had the space. We had the space. We had space yeah. outlets. You know, I was able to do theater really young, like, and that's such a a, a very lucky and privileged thing to be able to yeah. have and do. You know, it didn't take me, you know, an hour and a half on a bus to get home after school. You know, like I just got to go home. Well, I didn't actually go home. I did extracurriculars, but yeah. at the end of the day, I did. I just got to go home. You know, mm-hmm. open the fridge. There was food. Go to bed. Like you know, text my friends. Like yeah, there wasn't any other concerns. You know, so yeah, and and when we look at the charter experiment, I think that that shows how the state of Louisiana has valued children. Yeah, when we look at. Uh, continual pushes to try to charge children as as adults when you look at gun safety regulations when you look at um you know women's uh, bodily autonomy Mm -hmm. i i I think we've allowed that that notion of individualism to just completely corrupt the concept that um it's our kids like it it is a community children have always been considered a part of the community and we, we, you know, it, it takes a, a village to raise a child. It's not just some cliche. It, it is an instruction that you can't operate within a healthy society if you just assume that that child is not my responsibility. Yeah. And in fact, they are annoying me. Yeah. Or they, I, I don't want them anywhere near me. An inconvenience. Yes. Yeah. Um, when we look at like the charter system and, and like busing, like you said, mm-hmm. the fact that the right to choice of a school now means that these bus drivers are having to go on these massive routes to deliver kids from one school is not coordinated, right? Yeah, because the tra- each schools. individual charter is its own little island. Yeah. The school board doesn't exist to actually try to, you know, manage these entities so that maybe you could figure out, oh, well, this bus <laughs> yeah. is going all over the place. And the bus drivers are the ones that... So, like bus drivers and families are the people that suffer yeah. most from this yeah. and the people that are, are benefiting from it are the ones that don't have to do the work to make sure that those people's lives are better yeah yeah so I just yeah I, I i hate to think that like i'm some savior because i'm not but like we need people that have common sense to start making their voices heard more yeah and if it's not in a system to where they they run for office at the very least we should start setting up systems outside of, of the you know electoral strategies set up these systems that are very community based that you can actually resolve problems you know by yourselves and if you do need help then that's when we start to build those communities into much yeah. larger structures that, yeah, that just, live alongside just start living the life that you want adrian marie brown says this but she says if you're a socialist be a socialist right now are you mm-hmm. living as a socialist right now like, right. Are you making? And then when she's on more mainstream podcasts, she says, "Are you a Democrat? Then why are you not living democratically right yeah. now?" But when she's on her own podcast, she says socialist, right. which I think is really funny. Yeah. But, but it's true. It's like, how am I living my values at this moment? And mm-hmm. I think I'm living them well. But it's like, 
are we all can we do better are we am i living them with my partner am i like yeah. taking the time to like you know educate as much as i can my family and like my immediate community are the people that i have the biggest effect on you know yeah. so it's really acknowledging that acknowledging that like you know it's my family and it's my partner and it's you know my the people that patronize my business those are my immediately immediate mm-hmm. community members and like what what are the conversations that we have together and like how does it make a difference yeah to the greater movement of all of us together yeah you you, you get out what you put in yep and if if you expect the system to naturally resolve itself then you're going to be sorely disappointed <laughs> over and over again yeah. which is what happens right um you know democracy when it was first conceived was not about uh this what is it called like deferred democracy right mm-hmm. that like i'm i'm deferring my responsibilities and decision making to mm-hmm. someone else yeah instead like it was about resolving things and coming to consensus that that was really it consensus building right in a form of taking a vote yeah and obviously when the greeks did it you know it was men only it was property owners and, and right. that's when you start to see is it true democracy yeah. when we feel like that I, I love reading about cuba and how they practice democracy right because they are a democratic country mm-hmm. they're just not our our democracy right they, they are doing participatory democracy they're doing direct democracy um and it's amazing to see what these communities do when you like see americans go and start asking people and just mm-hmm. filming not from a sense of like to show how bad Cuba is and socialism, mm-hmm. but to just learn about it yeah. and finding out all the lies that you've been fed yeah. over your life about how Cuba is this terrible, uh, intolerant, you know, totalitarian uh, system. And you go there, it's like, nah, man, the, the, the neighborhoods like meet every month and like clean their own streets. And if there's a, you know, something that happens in their neighborhood, they all come together and fix it. Like they, they anticipate spending time with the people in their neighborhood regularly, not just for big moments. Yeah. Like I I think about how many times we have block parties in New Orleans, Mm -hmm. second lines, parades. We know how to come together as a community Mm -hmm. to have fun. Yeah. And we can still use those opportunities to actually like make our lives better in addition to having fun. Yeah. And that that's what I hope matures in this city is people breaking down the the boxes of like my activism is over here, mm-hmm. my social life is over here. It's like yeah. it's gotta come together. Yeah, for sure. Well, Bob, this has been just a lovely conversation. Yeah. I feel like we covered so much ground. We didn't even really talk about comedy at all. Which no, I'm no, about. it's fine. This, this is great. This there's is, there's enough comedy podcasts listen, out there. Listen, I talk to comedians too much, <laughs> I would say. So this was good to have a more political conversation. Yeah. And uh, it's honestly, it was a goal of this season of mine. And I was like, I want to kind of get into the nitty gritty of the city. And I love having these conversations because I don't think they're happening enough. And mm-hmm. podcasts are so accessible and they're underutilized on the local level. And like, yeah. You know, I'm glad we had the opportunity to talk about all this stuff. This is this is important stuff. Not that comedy is unimportant. It's just like this is also important. And it's, it, it's not important. <laughs> let's, be, let's 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 be frank. Uh, comedy is fun. Okay. Yeah. It's for the giggles. It's for the giggles. Um, but this has been great. I have uh, my last question. I always ask everybody is um, I like to have people on this podcast that are cool or doing cool things. Yeah. Just some people that I would like there to be more light shined on. Uh, you know, I was about to ask this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, who do you think should be on the podcast? Do I have to know them? No, you don't have to know them. Oh, okay. Just, you can tell me oh, who man. and why. Uh, I would say uh, Dee Dee Green. Mm-hmm. She's uh, the executive director of Piece by Piece, NOLA. 
uh, they do these community gardens around Hollygrove, uh, but they also use it as opportunities to, uh, it, it's, it's mostly formed on education for kids, I think like 12 to 18. Didi's wonderful. Um, their program is about, you know, self-sufficiency, um, finding responsibility for yourself and, but also for each other, which yeah. I think is really important. Uh, they teach the kids about how to garden, how to, you know, take care of, of the full plant cycle and all the produce that they make goes into these communities as well because oh, it's a awesome. it's a food desert, you know. Yeah. She's, uh, you know, been a member of Ion Surveillance for a while as well. And I, I feel like those opportunities is how you learn about all the cool people. Yeah. It, it, like getting into organizations, uh, whether they're open membership or otherwise, like, like try to join some organization. You know, when I joined DSA, that's when I started to learn about a lot of stuff going on. DSA stands for Democratic Socialists of America. Yeah. Yeah. The New Orleans chapter is fun. Got a lot of fun people. Yeah, and and the more you join these places, you don't have to stay committed to them, but but join them, meet people, uh find out their viewpoint on the world. Does it match yours? It may not fully match yours, but if you have that that shared sliver of, you know, common good and plans to work towards it then you might as well do it I, I also started like i'm an atheist but i i go to church with my wife and, and mm-hmm. our kid because the the pastor there is very passionate um you know she's a feminist she's a woman so yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a big one right that's uh, big. but uh, you know we're we're ex- trying to extend out the the what ways church do you go to uh, St. Luke's United Methodist Church. Okay, yeah, people love St. Luke on yeah. Canal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we're about to do Little Mermaid for free. I like, know. So those are those opportunities where you do like... My niece is in it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and just finding those opportunities to do community work that isn't necessarily like going around picking up garbage. But like doing plays for your community for yeah. free is a, a, a method of service and... I think that that's really cool. So like, uh, you know, I'm on the mission committee and finding ways to like yeah. plug in these people that want to express, you know, their faith and their energy in areas that they may not have normally done. Yeah. And so just trying to bridge the gaps. Hell yeah. That's all organizing is, is bringing people together. We're bridging the gaps. Don't sue us, Ronnie Lamarck. Yeah, well, we're stealing it. Um, y'all, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Bob. This was great. You're welcome. Come back anytime. This has been Planet Nola. How's Tuesday? Tuesday sounds good. I've got nothing on the books. Okay, good. (laughs) This is Planet Nola, y'all. Be in touch. Thank you again to this episode's guest. Planet Nola is produced by Carrie Mulder and Mary Jacobs. If you liked what you heard here, please consider subscribing to us on YouTube or all your social media platforms and pretty much anywhere you get podcasts. Also... If you really, really liked this episode, think about subscribing to our Patreon where we have tons of bonus content from this episode and more. Starts at just $5 a month and it would mean the world to us. Thanks so much, y'all, and be in touch.